This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. It still affected such a huge amount of people who are still dealing with this very real pain and have a huge gaping hole in their life that's never going to be filled and was never addressed in any sort of way. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek, and I'm sitting far, far away from Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen, but they are attached at the hip yet again in hot Atlanta. I'm so delighted by this. (laughs) It's wonderful. What a time to be alive. I love this energy between the two of you. You also are sharing a headphone, and before we started, Billy, being the dumbass that he is, you know, you're sharing like the stringed iPhone headphones. So if you think that you're sitting next to somebody, one would have it on their left ear and the other person would have it on the right ear. But Billy decided to go around his head and make it even harder for the situation. Give me as little slack as possible. <laughs> That's right. Pull him to but the side. We're here getting it done. We're feeling good. We're the morale is high, even though this episode's probably gonna be late. Sorry, everyone. This is uh, this is how the world works when you neglect your responsibilities because you have too many responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys are just working. This is what happens when you bite off more than you can chew. That is that is very true. Well, what day is it today, Billy? All right. Well, you know what? Today is February tenth, two thousand twenty-one. And I'm happy to say that it is National Umbrella Day. You're happy to say that? Is this a good day for you? You know what? It's a a big enough umbrella, but it's always me that ends up getting wet. Umbrella, Ella, Ella, eh, Mm, eh. mm, mm. Billy, there's a few other good days that I think you should say. National Flannel Day? Are we going to Seattle? National Flannel Day. Who Mm -hmm. doesn't love a flannel? I like a flannel. Love a flannel. And national. It's like a national cheesecake brownie day. Cream cheese brownie day. Cream cheese brownie day. Okay, cream cheese brownies are delish. Delicious. Mm. Mm. Everybody go have a cream cheese brownie, put on their flannel, and I think it's also national teddy Teddy day. Day. Yeah, it's teddy day. That's not so bad. Yeah, it's pretty. This is a nice day, a delightful day. Well, indeed. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. Today's case takes us back to Saturday, September 16th of 2017. Despacito, banger of a song by Louis Fonzi, Daddy Yankee, and Justin Bieber. Bodak Yellow by Cardi B and Wild Thoughts by DJ Khaled were topping the charts. And movies Snowden, Barry, and The Magnificent Seven were playing in theaters. And the setting for today's case is Atlanta, Georgia, which Atlanta is the capital of Georgia. It's the most populated city in the state. And I'm sure you're familiar with the broad strokes of Atlanta, but here are some fun facts that you might not know. 
According to Mental Floss, there are 55 streets in Atlanta that are named Peachtree. And Atlanta was the only city in North America destroyed as an act of war, because General Sherman said, I'm going to burn it all to the ground. Only 400 buildings survived, and this is why the city's symbol is a phoenix. Atlanta is also home to several universities, including Georgia Tech, which is where our story unfolds. And here's a little more about Georgia Tech. The student body at Georgia Tech is composed of approximately 40,000 students from all 50 states and 149 countries worldwide. It's a top 10 public research university with more than a billion in research awards. It has a concise mission statement. Quote, Georgia Tech's mission is to develop leaders who advance technology and improve the human condition. Its mission and strategic plan are focused on making a positive impact in the lives of people everywhere. And our first degree, Ashley, was a student at Georgia Tech during the fall of 2017. Here she is. I started as a summer freshman at Georgia Tech in 2015. Fall semester went really badly. I had, like, my mental illnesses really acting up. I ended up failing pretty much all my classes that fall semester and didn't really have any resources to help me out from Georgia Tech. I went to the counseling center and I was seeing a counselor there. But at the time, they were only allowing 16 visits for your entire time that you were at Georgia Tech, which is definitely not enough. I don't really want to like put too much blame on like the counseling center itself because I'm sure they were working with like really limited resources, but it was definitely not where it needed to be in terms of being there for students with mental health issues. So I ended up withdrawing and I went to eating disorder treatment actually for a while and I came back to school the summer of 2017. You know, that went well and so I was really excited to be back on campus in the fall of 2017. So Ashley was back at school and her enthusiasm about her Georgia Tech college experience had been revived and she got involved in some of the student groups on campus. There was a really big LGBT group called Pride Alliance. And Georgia Tech's LGBT Pride Alliance had a 21-year-old president named Scout Schultz. Scout was described as gregarious, loud, and proud. And they were well-loved and respected on campus. There was a political group on campus that my roommate at the time actually like helped start that I was involved with. Scout was also involved with them. They were out and proud and always around at activism events. Every year around coming out day, all of the kinds of hateful, anti-gay, Westboro Baptist Church-esque people come together and yell at us saying that we're all evil and all going to hell and all of that fun stuff. Pretty much every time I saw Scout, they had a huge pride flag they were just waving around. And that's what Scout would do in the face of this group of hateful individuals wave their flag. Yes, they're sitting there saying what they believe in, waving that flag around proudly. They went around and collected money to donate to Lost and Found, which is a homeless shelter for LGBT youth. And They were always just doing things like that to make it known, like, these are real issues that face us, like, every day that we have to deal with as LGBTQ people that, like, nobody else, unless you experience it, can really fully understand. Scout was non-binary, and the pronouns Scout used were them, their, and they. Every non-binary person experiences gender differently, so there's not really, like, a that definition of what a non-binary person is. Basically, the way that I think I could best define non-binary is in our current society, there is a set idea of what is the male gender and what is a female gender. And non-binary people are not exclusively male, And not exclusively female. They're somewhere outside of those set rigid ideas of what one or two of those things are. Scout was also intersex. In general, when talking about trans people, assigned sex at birth is irrelevant. However, 
breakout was actually intersex, which can be a lot of different things, but it just means that they wouldn't have fit into the regular terms of what people would think the male sex or the female sex was. Something that was between or not those things. And so, like, the struggles that they went through, not only as a non-binary person, but as an intersex person, is, like, just important to note. I asked Ashley to elaborate on this, and this is pretty much a verbatim response she sent me via text. She explained to me that being intersex is really about falling somewhere outside of the prescribed physical traits of the male or female sex. Intersex also doesn't necessarily mean a visible physical or biological difference, although it can. This can apply to variations in sex chromosomes as well. And about 1-2% to of people are intersex and often face issues with medical professionals performing unnecessary surgeries on intersex people often without their consent, to try to correct, quote-unquote, their bodies. So Ashley made it clear that she does not know the particulars of Scout's experience. And honestly, it's none of our business anyway. What is important to note is that they were intersexed, which very much presents its own set of experiences and challenges. So beyond being the president of GT's Pride Alliance, Scout was also involved in GP's Campus Black Lives Matter, Democratic Socialists of America, and Progressive Students Alliance. And it's no doubt that Scout was obviously inspiring to others on campus who are passionate about LGBTQ rights. Ashley recalls seeing Scout in their true element. There was a point where a bill was introduced to the state legislature that would require counselors, other school officials to be mandated to report instances of sexual assault, which we were all very against because there's a lot of you know, obvious complexities to that. And this group organized a march to the Capitol and we lobbied against the bill to our senators. And it didn't pass, thankfully. But I remember, again, Scout was there with their pride flag waving proudly. And there was a whole thing because when we got to the Capitol, they wouldn't let Scout bring the flag in. So I remember them being really upset. We asked Ashley if it was the university that fostered this environment of acceptance or whether the students facilitated this environment. The school, I'd say, is from the outside appeared really liberal. And I was like, very excited about Georgia Tech. I was in the marching band my first semester there, so like that's as much school spirit as you can get. I want to clarify, I was super invested in Georgia Tech being this amazing, wonderful place, and that all crumbled before my eyes, essentially. And the view Ashley had of Georgia Tech began to crumble on the evening of September 16th of 2017. And here's why. That 24 hours was insane. And one of the biggest times in my life where I have felt so completely powerless and helpless. I got a text on my phone that was a G10 alert. Okay, so what exactly is a G10 alert? It's for Georgia Tech Emergency Notification System. So it's anything from inclement weather to danger. And we all get this text that says something about there's an immediate threat to campus, get indoors. And it's very vague. And so I'm freaking out thinking, oh, my God, there's a shooter on campus. I don't think my roommate was home. I went out and I locked the door to the dorm. And then I ran back into my room and locked the door and was, like, lower on the ground. I guess I thought they were going to be shooting through windows or something. I was just scared. And then I heard a gunshot. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is real. This is happening. Living in modern America, this is a palpable fear that resonates with all of us. The idea of being cornered by an active shooter. But that's not what's happening. Shortly thereafter, Ashley received another text alert from the university. And then we get a text saying the threat is, there's no longer a threat to campus. (laughs) Which, looking back on that, is just like, so fucked up for so many reasons. Okay, so this quote-unquote threat that had created fear and chaos on campus had now apparently been neutralized. That night, I go to bed. Like, there's no update or anything. And I wake up the next morning 
and I go out into my living room and my roommate and one of her friends are sitting in there sobbing. I was like, oh my God, like what happened? And they, they told me that Scout had been shot. And I was just so in just a state of just like complete and utter disbelief. I had a moment where I was like, are they okay? And they were like, no, they died. They were shot and they died. So hearing this was shocking. How? Why? What happened? And why Scout? Everything I knew about Scout was just like that they were so kind and amazing and compassionate. More details emerged, and they were horrifying. It turns out that the gunshot Ashley heard that night, that was the sound of Scout being shot and killed. To like specify where my dorm was and the location of this, it was probably a hundred yards or less away from my dorm. Scout was shot on the other side of the dining hall from where my dorm was. So it was very close. And I, that's why I heard it. Georgia's tech sent out some bullshit email that was like, we're so sorry to, you know, about the loss of Scout Schultz, the president of the biggest LGBTQ group on campus. The same kind of stuff email that Georgia Tech always sends out whenever a student dies. It was just insensitive and all the other things that Georgia Tech is about these situations. So what exactly happened to Scout? Who shot them and why? It would become clear that the who of all of this was the easy part. It was the why that would not be so simple. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply.
On the morning of September 17th of 2017, students at Georgia Tech were learning of the shooting death of 20-year-old Scout Schultz. But the resounding question being echoed across campus was why? What happened? Scout was described as, quote-unquote, scary smart by those who knew them. And they had received a scholarship to Georgia Tech when they began in 2014. By the time of their death, Scout was a fourth-year senior majoring in computer engineering with a minor in biomedical engineering, and they carried a 3.9 GPA. So that's an incredible GPA for such hard areas of study, by the way, and such rigorous uh, course load as they have at Georgia Tech. So what on earth could have transpired that would result in Scout losing their life? Slowly, the facts about what happened started to emerge. But brace yourselves, because it seems as there are actually two schools of thought about what actually happened to Scout that night. And here's Ashley. According to the school, Scout placed a call to GTPD saying, there's a guy standing outside 8th Street, outside of West Village, the dining hall, and he looks like he's holding a knife and he might be drunk. To be clear, Scout placed a 911 call to the Georgia Tech Police Department after 11 p.m. on September 16th. Scout described a figure who was holding a knife, making threats, and possibly drunk. Georgia Tech Police Department responded, and eventually there were four officers who reported to the scene. They spotted this figure that matched the description that Scout provided, and officers could see that this person had something in their hand. And remember, Scout had reported that this person was holding a knife. The officers and the subject, who they said was holding a knife, began exchanging words. And the Georgia Tech Police Department yelled for the subject to drop the knife that they believed they were holding. And the subject apparently heckled the officers and just refused to comply to their demands. And then the person then actually started yelling for the officers to shoot them. Over and over, they urged the officers to pull the trigger and shoot them. And it's not clear at which point this occurred, and there is some nuance here because we're not dealing with one officer, we're dealing with four. But some of the officers present realized that this person who Scout had called and reported via 911 was in the midst of a mental health crisis. The person was trying to provoke police into shooting them, and at least three of these cops picked up on this and began implementing de-escalation techniques, hoping everyone could escape this situation unscathed. But that's not what happened. And maybe you've picked up on what was actually happening by now. Or maybe you haven't, but we're going to spell it out for you. On the evening of September 16th, 2017, Scout Schultz was experiencing suicidal ideations. And they were saying, just shoot me, shoot me. Now that's not somebody who poses a threat. When Scout called 911 to report the individual who was wielding a knife and making threats, the physical description they gave mirrored exactly what they themselves, Scout, looked like. When the cops arrived, Scout started begging officers to shoot them. So I want to remind you that Scout did not have a firearm. From the beginning, this was always about a knife. Even when Scout called and reported this to the police, they saw a person holding a knife, they said. But in actuality, it was Scout. And Scout didn't actually have a knife on them. What they had was been described as a multi-tool. So a little compact tool with several little tools that flip out and fold back in based on what you need and when you need them. So to be clear, this multi-tool thing did in fact have a blade, but it was folded inward. It was not out in sort of this knife position. So there was no blade out. There was no knife out. There was no dangerous weapon involved in this situation. There were four officers who responded. Three of them had been there a long time and had received proper crisis intervention training. Obviously with the call, they didn't know that was the situation probably. But I assume once they responded, it was pretty clear that Scout was just in distress and was suicidal. As Ashley said, three of the four officers who responded had received proper crisis intervention training. But one of the officers had not. And that officer was named Tyler Beck. Tyler Beck, who also responded, despite having been at Georgia Tech for a long period of time, had not yet received crisis intervention training. None of the three other officers, I don't think, I don't know if they had their weapons drawn or not, but they clearly did not shoot Scout, and Tyler Beck did. And there's no reason 
that Scout should have died that night. They should have been receiving proper mental health treatment. And that did not happen. They died and they did not need to. It's unclear what the catalyst was that caused Officer Tyler Beck to discharge his weapon and kill Scout. But what is undisputed is that Scout was not armed with a weapon that put police in danger at all. Officer Tyler Beck shot and killed them from a distance away without being in peril or in the crossfires of a direct threat at all. Scout was not a threat at all. You don't need to kill them. Like, (laughs) it's just insane. The knife wasn't even out of the utility tool. It was closed if they were just holding something. And it was clear that it was not a gun. So there's no way that you can cut it to make it make sense that Tyler Beck chose to take out his gun and shoot Scout and kill them. All true. And I'm sure everyone listening is struggling to understand how or why this happened. And those who love Scout struggled to understand this as well. There was actually a small memorial. I think I picked up some flowers. We all went down to where Scout was shot and placed a large picture of them and laid flowers down. And all of their friends were just sobbing and mourning the loss of their friend. The whole place was crawling with news vans and everything. And I got so emotional, obviously. And I was just thinking about how none of this was justice. And when we all lit the candles and had that moment of silence for them, I just thought about how many times being suicidal myself, sometimes I thought about my funeral and what it would be like if I died and thinking that like nobody would really care And I just remember being so overcome with the thought that, like, I wish they could have seen this. I wish they could have seen how many people responded to their death like this and came out and mourned them. And that just really got me in the moment. By this point, the media had caught wind of Scout's death. And the reporters were chomping at the bit for a story that they could run with. I was so livid about the reporters getting in their faces. Like, these are people who have just suddenly, without reason, lost someone very close to them who was a pillar of the community. They were the president of the largest LGBT group on campus. That's hugely significant. Like, you can film a small group of students mourning their friends death, but to really see somebody break down and drop to their knees and your instinct is to shove a camera in their face to capture the moment, that's gross. And as it turns out, Ashley wasn't alone in feeling that something wasn't sitting right with her. The vigil ends and my friend Julia stands up and she goes, this isn't right. This isn't okay. And, you know, the crowd was like, yeah, and, you know, talking about how fucked up it is that Scout just died and this vigil happened and it just felt like it didn't really mean anything. The crowd kind of got stirred up and then a large group marched over to the GTPD station where we were protesting the death of their friend. I fully backed the people who set the cop car on fire because, honestly... That's the only thing that brought attention to this. The loss of Scout was visceral on campus. The news of Scout's death was spreading and fast. People were angry. And what happened to Scout seemed pretty cut and dry. In fact, it seemed criminal. Surely there would be hell to pay to those responsible. But here's the thing. That's not at all what happened. Because off the bat, it seemed as though there was a pretty sharp divide on campus with a liberal student body on one side, and then the university administration and the conservative student body on the other side. So to those who saw the situation for what it was, what we have here is essentially a trigger-happy, inexperienced officer not versed in de-escalation tactics who shot and killed a non-binary student who's experiencing a mental health crisis. 
when this officer was not in danger. But the powers that be at the university made this whole thing appear as a justified shooting by an officer. And this brings us to the response of scout shooting. The university administration at the GTPD's response began with placing Tyler Beck on leave. He was not fired. And we're not sure if he was on paid leave or not. But either way, what happened next was very perplexing. Within the week, the campus responded by hosting Thank GTPD Day. Thank a GTPD officer. And it's like, what an absolute slap in the face to everyone. That And these were also students, you know, posting little post-its up on their dorm window saying, we heart GTPD. They just shot and killed someone, and you're saying we love you? That's just so fucked up on so many levels. <laughs> To clarify what Ashley is saying, apparently the same week that Scout was shot, there was a thank GTPD day. And certain students seem to make this political and, frankly, really mean-spirited. So tonally, you could infer from this what you'd like. But from where we're sitting, it seems really distasteful. An investigation into what happened eventually revealed that Scout had dealt with some mental health struggles in the past. In fact, two years prior to their death, Scout struggled with suicidal ideations. In 2015, Scout's mother had received a call from Georgia Tech Counseling Center and received word that Scout had tried to hang themselves from their bunk bed with a belt. The belt actually snapped, and Scout survived the attempt. Following this event, it was reported that Scout sought counseling and took medication. And as the investigation continued, more was revealed about Officer Tyler Beck. And it turns out that Beck had been an officer for about 16 months at the time of Scout's killing. And police records revealed that Beck had not been trained in crisis intervention techniques. And in fact, Beck isn't an anomaly here. It turns out that less than one third of Georgia Tech's police officers had undergone this 40-hour course, which is insane. Meanwhile, a video of the incident surfaced, and you can watch it on YouTube. You can see Scout standing at the entrance of a parking garage facing two officers with their guns drawn. The officers are yelling, drop the knife, man, come on. And Scout walks slowly, deliberately, very much consistent with a person who was experiencing a mental health crisis. And any reasonable trained law enforcement officer should have been able to recognize it as such. The video was shot from an above vantage point, like someone watching from a few floors up in a building on their cell phone. And although Scout Schultz urged officers to shoot, seeming wanting to die, it didn't matter because officers, especially officers on a university campus, should be trained to deal with someone having a crisis like this. But instead, Scout took three slow steps towards one of the officers. They were at least eight feet away when the officer fired one shot. And you can hear Scout after that screaming in pain on the ground. Then you can hear others screaming after the gun goes off. Scout was taken to Grady Memorial Hospital, where they were pronounced dead. We truly can't describe how shocking this video is. And I watched it not expecting to see so much. Because Scout is under bright streetlights. This isn't a dimly lit situation. The officers would have been able to see whether or not Scout had a knife in or a big knife or a gun in their hands. This is well lit, okay? So I was actually looking for excuses for the police officers. Because I'm like, they're surely, it can't be as egregious yeah. as all of this says. It's so well lit. Right. It's, it's completely well lit. Their hands are out in front of them uh, at times and, below, and at their sides at times. And there's no scary weapon present. The officers are not very close to Scout either. So it's like, oh, surely Scout must have gotten very close to these officers for this to happen, not not the case. So I wasn't there. I wasn't on the ground face-to-face -face with these officers. But in the video, there doesn't appear to be anything that presents imminent danger. Scout slowly moving, not making quick or sudden movements. And when you do watch this, you struggle to understand why they weren't tased or, or tackled or wrestled to the ground. And from where I was sitting, it just seems senseless and lazy. I... I I don't know, or or some really immature instincts in the officer, just a knee-jerk response that is 
proof that how dangerous guns are. Yeah. That just this like yeah. knee jerk response where someone lunged at you. Like you're you're supposed to dull those responses but, when you're a police officer. But it wasn't even a lunge. If you I, I, exactly, I, I was trying to come up of a reason why someone would make this kind of mistake. And when you there's watch just the video, no inexcus- excuses yeah. at all in the video. It, Exactly. So you can understand this video comes out right after Scout's death, and it it was a visceral reaction on campus. And as far as Tyler Beck, the officer who shot them, he was put on work leave. But seven months after shooting Scout, he returned to active duty in an administration capacity. And eventually, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation was called to investigate, and the GBI determined that Scout was holding a multi-purpose tool that contained a knife. And at the end of the process, they turned over their findings to the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. And the DA at the time, Paul Howard, he called upon two use-of-force experts who determined the shooting was justified, and the DA chose not to file charges against Officer Beck, stating, and listen to this, quote, Though it is difficult to make exact psychological conclusions in such matters, All the available evidence indicates Schultz decided to take his own life by provoking police officers to shoot him. And notice in this quote, they referred to Scout as him. Pretty much every article misgendered them. And that work in itself is horrendous. I really want to emphasize how big of a community that this affected at Georgia Tech, because I think that if uh, this was somebody who uh, was cisgender and straight, who was in a fraternity or in a sorority or another big organization, that it would have received a completely different response. But because it was a non-binary, intersex, bisexual person who was also the president of the biggest LGBT organization on campus, The student body who wasn't part of the LGBTQ community didn't really care. And because the students, for the most part, outside of that community did not care, Georgia Tech didn't have to either. But it still affected such a huge amount of people who are still dealing with this very real pain and have a huge gaping hole in their life that's never going to be filled and was never addressed in any sort of way. Scout's parents filed a federal lawsuit against Georgia Tech, and the suit stated that several officers, quote, remained calm and followed standard de-escalation techniques without initiating physical force directed. But Beck did not de-escalate and instead used physical force. The lawsuit alleged that Beck used excessive force, and this lawsuit seems to still be working its way through the courts. To this day, Tyler Beck still works for the GTPD and has not suffered any consequences whatsoever that were significant. And that's just so fucked up, especially because, like, I mean, that's fucked up, period. (laughs) But then also, like, the only thing they, that Georgia Tech really responded with was, oh, we'll, we'll get more counselors. We'll, we'll add more counseling sessions. And then they didn't. Yeah. They assembled a mental health coalition full of faculty and a, a student or two. And they didn't actually, as far as I remember, make any changes until after 2018 when my friend Carter killed himself. And only after Carter's death did they institute the plan of making more counseling sessions be a thing. I also think had Scout had reliable access to regular mental health services that could have helped them, they might have not been in a position where they were feeling suicidal, or if they were feeling suicidal, they might have had adequate support. I don't think that the police should have responded. And... When we talk about defunding the police, this is a great example of, one, why we need to do that. If we took money away from GTPD and put it into mental health services, that would do so much more for the Georgia Tech community 
than funding GTPD ever could do. While it's extremely frustrating that Beck faced no personal repercussions, GTPD's Chief Robert Connolly has ensured in media interviews that in the years since Scout's death, all of its officers have received conflict intervention training and they're now informed on LGBTQIA issues. And every officer is now equipped with a stun gun. The bottom line is society, and especially colleges, need more mental health resources. This has been a big topic within the call to defund the police. And so regardless of how much crisis intervention training a police officer has, it's not going to be comparable to a licensed medical professional dealing with someone in crisis. So I think it's important to look at all of the problems in this case. So what we have here is not enough mental health resources. Then we have the problem of inexperienced police officers. Then we have the problem of how these actions are interpreted by the district attorney's office. And and then Ashley's, interpreted by the public. Yeah, Ashley said something really interesting. She said that um, if this were probably a sorority girl or someone else on campus who wasn't a, in a marginalized group, that the outrage would have been a lot louder. And she basically said, you know, because this, a lot of the students didn't care, then the, the university didn't have to care. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and it is a classic example of the um, reasonings behind wanting to defund police and, you know, move a lot of those resources into other avenues because, I mean, it's this should never have happened for so many different reasons. And it did. And it's a tragedy. And even after it happening, the way that some people just interpreted it in their own minds to being a justified thing, it's so disgusting. Yeah, the way Scout was treated after their death is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and you see why, I mean, part of the response was there was, you know, a protest at the GTPD sort of headquarters there on campus where a police car got lit on fire. And it's like, I- I'm still struggling to understand the the non-prosecuting and then or the non-firing. Like, listen, fine. If the law that stands doesn't protect what happened to Scout, then GTPD should at least have said, Tyler Beck, you're clearly not meant to be a police officer if you can't Control yourself. Yeah. If you can't handle this kind of knee jerk decision making in a healthy way, like I get not being able to prosecute. Sometimes people's hands are tied based on the reflecting of the law, but he shouldn't be a cop. No, no. He should have been fired. And what message are you sending to other police officers? They're not allowed to make these kind of mistakes. Especially the fact that not only was he able to remain a cop, he was able to remain a cop in the same situation. In the same precinct, in yeah. The that same means he college. could ju- he could just do it again and be and go off scot free like that. It's it that's unacceptable. Which you hope that like the police department would be like, you know what? If he does this again, we're obviously going to be liable. So we won't. You know what? This is where the lawyers would actually help and be like, you know what? We shouldn't have him here. But instead, they just went, "Go ahead, you have your job back." So as we know, college can be an incredibly trying time for anyone. of students at four-year universities drop out. But Scout was thriving. They had a 3.9 GPA. They were well-liked. They wanted to graduate and make medical devices. They were a leader on campus. They were going to be a leader in life. But it takes a village to raise a leader. That goes from teachers to doctors and, yes, to police officers. Because they must be trained to serve and protect. Protect not only from danger from without, but danger from within as well. Like most true crime podcasts, we talk a lot about murders, but in 2018, there were 48,344 recorded suicides in America. That's three times the amount of murders in America, and the suicide rate is rising. We all need to do better, and when Scout was crying for help, they deserve better too.
All right. Well, a huge thank you to Ashley for telling her story to us. If you're listening out there and you have a story to tell, please email us. Hello at thefirstdegreepodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at thefirstdegree, at Alexis Linkletter, at Billy Jensen, at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group because we're talking true crime all the time. And there's also a new Facebook group for Unraveled if you would like to discuss Billy and Alexis's other podcast. And uh, stick around because we're going to kill some time. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers keep your friends close but But not not that that close close. started good for me happy cheesecake brownie day oh happy teddy bear day what was the other one umbrella day umbrella ella this is a big year the ohio lottery's golden anniversary 50 years of excitement of growing jackpots and crossed fingers 50 years of funding for schools of changed lives and brightened days 50 years of fun and that is worth celebrating so watch for can't miss promotions huge events and new games that will make the ohio lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet learn more at funturns50.com if a friend asks how you're doing and you say i'm okay when the truth is i don't want my problems to burden anyone or you say hang it in there Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. All right. Well, welcome to yet another episode of KT Killing Time. Alexis and Billy are in Hotlanta. Hotlanta. You just got there. Tell me a little bit about your trip so far. Tell me what you can tell me. You guys are there filming the next part of Unraveled, correct? Yeah. I told Billy not to bring this up today, but I am going to bring it up anyway. We had a photo shoot this morning, and the entire theme of the photo shoot was like, what is Alexis doing with her hands? No. Can we talk, Alexis, can we talk about really quick, we'll go into this, but we need to talk about, um, well, wait, so Talking Evil comes out this weekend, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, on Valentine's Day. Yeah, so check out Talking Evil on Sunday on Discovery Plus, Alexis's new show that she is hosting. Um, but and the following Sunday, Jack is on with me. Yes, then I'm on the second episode. But yes. And Jack had to give me a whole lesson on what to do with my claw hands. Yes, so this is why I'm bringing this up. So <laughs> Alexis did this intro. The intro to the show is a very... It's almost cheesy, but like in a true crime, like an old vintage true crime way where it's like, she, it's like what Keith Morrison says yeah in a, good, in a cool way yeah it's like this kind of spooky it's sort of like the intros that you do for this show almost but mm-hmm. the difference is that you are walking out of a room into another room and then the oh, camera really? is kind of oh, wow I'm a yeah and then the camera sort of moves with her and then zooms into her face Jim? at the end oh nice so Jill with a teleprompter on it. I'm uh, like, I was like, hey guys, on day one, I was like, hey guys, you know, I've n- I Googled this morning a YouTube video about how to use a teleprompter because I've never done this before. They're like, you've never done this before? I'm like, dudes, did you? No. I mean, two your teleprompters are, I think, uh, way more intimidating than they actually are to to follow. If you can read, you know. Children can do it. Children can do it. But yeah. adults like me have to Google how to read just on a screen, <laughs> even though we do it all day. So basically, she's like, she walks out of this thing, the teleprompter comes while she's saying, you know, the intro to the show. And I was there watching her for the first episode of the show. And I was just cringing so hard because Alexis (laughs) Linkletter does not know what to do with her fucking hands when she talks. I was like, I was like, who is it? Molly Shannon in the Friends episode where she keeps her arms straight while Mm -hmm. she walks. Mm -hmm. That was me. That was me. I was like, and Jack's like, hey, girl, you were amazing today. Um, I have like some some feedback. Nice. I have like I had a note. You were so nice about it. But what you didn't hear is that I had an earpiece in and the showrunners were like, 
Alexis, your hands, do something with your hands. I was like, shit, these catcher's mitts, where do I put them? And like, I don't have pockets. And like, they're like, and then, and then Jack's like, put them together. And then I did this creepy, like choir hand thing where it was like one claw on top of well, the other claw. You start, so you started off doing the walk and you just had your arms by your side, but they weren't like, it wasn't like a casual loose hang. You had your like, it was like your shoulders were really stiff and then your arms mm-hmm. were like straight down, like two stiff logs. And then we, your we hands were like facing yeah. outwards. Yeah. And I like, oh pulled, I pulled a muscle from the tension I was fucking holding by just standing with my body so tight because so many people were watching me do this and I've never used a teleprompter. And I'm like, and it's, it's like intense subject matter and I'm fucking sweating. I'm like, thank no. you God, our tailor sewed sweat pads into all my shirts because holy Jesus, I was like, and then you know that the people in the back in the dark that I can't see are just fucking cringing at my stiff hands. No, oh it, my god! It's, it's, it's a double. It's a double whammy because it was the first time that you're you're, do, you're doing a triple whammy. First time you're doing a teleprompter. First time that you're you're and and you're doing a, like um, a really intense subject matter, and then you also have the mitts. Forty people. Oh. I don't know how many. A lot were in, out. Like the crew was like in yeah. the dark with, and everyone's staring at monitors of me doing this. And I'm like, they're probably watching me sweat. Yeah, all over my face. But like, it was so funny because then I, I, I saw told Jack you, and I saw the side of Jack watching with her arms crossed. <laughs> oh, I'm like, geez. fuck. <laughs> no, and then so then I gave I gave Alexis the note, and I was like, hey, like when we did Lady Gang TV, we had to do a lot of these, and it's like so you know uncomfortable at first when you're just standing there because you don't know what to do with your hands because it's weird, it's awkward. So I was like, just like kind of bend them at the elbows, and you can kind of like touch your fingers together, like bend them. like you're. Like you're playing, like you're just like kind of like holding your arms like over your belly button and sort of touching the hands like that. It's it it looks good on TV. Let me tell you. So I told her to do that, and then the next day she she does that. But then instead of doing that, she like cups her hands together like she's singing in a <laughs> choir, but like holding on to each other hand with all its might, like her life depends on it. No, no, they were like turning red because of I was cutting <laughs> off the circulation, and they felt like like Christmas carolor caroler hands. And like, then and then and, like at the elbows like my. <laughs> We're like, it's rip, like they're doing like a cheerleading hands. move. Yeah, yeah. And the the EPs were like, um, drop your hands, drop your hands. Let's try something else. <laughs> no, and then the next time that I watched you do it, you like were wearing a skirt or something. So then you tucked your thumbs into like the skirt, but then and I'm gonna like get up a little bit so I can show you. Your hands were like tucked, but then your pointer fingers were just pointed like. <laughs> Like, I did like, like little cowboy guns. Yeah, you're like holding like cowboy guns on your shirt, your skirt. Listen, I was trying to fucking find my voice, six, and my voice is fucking six shooter six true crime. Alexis. Yeah, it was so fire funny. boy. Like, what is it? Um, that guy from Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol, Oliver Twist, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then, um, oh, and Billy the Kid. Yeah, yeah. I just can't oh. wait for everybody to watch Talking Evil and to really focus in on your hands during those intros. <laughs> well, I'm happy to report that I watched the first episode and my hands didn't stand out as uncomfortable looking because I oh, think really? they edited around. I think they edited around it. Yeah, they hired. <laughs> they hired a hand recreationist. <laughs> That's where, they spent, post-production. that's where they spent all of the budget they're like we need new hands Shit, we gotta hyper impose new hands onto this person cgi please yes prosthetic hands so you guys did a photo shoot today and the hands were also a problem only in my own f- okay first of all i would like put my hand on something and it was like this <laughs> and they're like can you close your fingers i was like this he's like can you relax your hand and i was like oh they're like yes 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 they're like do the presidential fist where it's sort of a loose yeah and i was like they're like no no no, no relax your hands fist? Oh, oh, okay all right, all he right. said like when they walk presidents they do like a loose fist but then oh. they, i was clenching he's like i can see your veins you need to relax your hands i was like he's like no 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 relax i'm like He's like, yeah. no, put your fingers together. So <laughs> you know, her, that's her, a claw. Yeah, her, her hand initially was a claw. <laughs> oh and then she was just like, they were just like, all right, you're doing a claw. And then she went, okay, Barbie hands. So then she put her hands really, really tight next to each other, like Barbie's hands are. And then they're like, mm. and then they, they said presidential hands. I didn't know what a presidential hand is. So it's just like a kind you of know, you when make they walk, like a, it's a loose fist that they walk with. Yeah, just sort of like, uh, you know. 
Do you, is it like a, like an O, like a sign language O? A little bit. It's sort of like you have a pen in your hand, but it's very, very loose. And you're just saying something like, you know, you know, I want this bill to pass. So they tell presidents to walk with their hands like that? I don't think they ever tell the president like that. Or it's like a, like China, like, you know, like. I don't know. It's like the reasoning hand of politics, wow, you know, you went there. <laughs> and then I don't know. It's the only thing I can imagine our former president saying with his hand like that. Well, it's you know, what? A, I actually did. Political, but. It did remind me like when you said that it made, it made me think of Trump because I felt like he'd always hold his hands in little. Look, little Jared's fit. holding oh up a picture Jared's of him doing it. Picture yeah, of, of his Trump. tiny, tiny well, hands. He's doing that. He's doing, yeah. Well, what I said to them today during the shoot, I was like, so limp hands. He's like, and I was like, it's the only time that's a limp thing is good, right? And they all got an awkward kick out of that one. Oh my God. So did you guys do photo? Was it a photo shoot together? It was a photo shoot for the, for this episode or this part of the was, show? No, it was for the whole thing. It was oh. like, so we did photos together <laughs> and separate. There was, um, a post on our Facebook group about they're like, what are they always looking at? What are they looking in the d- the distance at? Because you guys are always gazing at something in your photos. Yeah, they had that us do that today, but most of them were to camera today. So, yeah, you know, they're like, should we? I mean, we're like, should we touch each other? And they're like, well, maybe. And I was like, like <laughs> this? And I like put my hand on their shoulder, and they'd be like, close your hand, and I'd be like, <laughs> and then it all started again on his shoulder. I'm like, ah. And then they'd put like me on a stool and they'd be like, no, no, no. It was like, it was fucking like, it was like musical chairs with two people where it's like, ah, that height isn't yeah. working. Nope. Raise the stool. Cause we're all like gangly and fucking awkward. Oh I mean, my it's God. so great when you have like four people looking at you and then. And they're all making this face. Mm, no. <laughs> nah. It's just a bunch of disapproval coming from. They're yeah, like, this then, this energy well, is just not know, working like, for me. The end result is good. The end result is good. But yeah. then they have a moment of like, oh, good, good, good. Oh, wait, you moved. I was like, <laughs> and then they're like, you're not moving enough between shots. I'm like, because when you say don't move, I'm like, don't move. You, I'll fuck it up. You like, need to move a little between. I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then it's too much. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, I think we got it. I'm like, did we? No, I don't feel good about this. You're like, my hand was super straight in that one. Can I fix it? Ugh. I was like, am I sweating? They're like, yeah, but it's fine. We'll post. We'll fix it in post. I'm like, ugh. Oh, my God. That is the, That brought me so much joy. Thank you so much for that. I hope they send us – I doubt we'll see all the bad ones, but if there's a bad one, I'll do a whole, like, bad hand montage. Yeah, well, you know – But I was telling – Billy was like, I'm going to bring up the claw thing today. I was like, we used to say this about Jack. Jack yes. used to do a claw. And one of us – or maybe someone made a collage of all Jack's claw hands. Oh, really? Well, I – my claw was when I would take selfie pictures, and I felt so awkward unless I had a hand in the picture. But the way that I'd put my hand in my picture, like, I also have very, like – dexterous or undexterous oh hands yeah. by the, by the, i have slender man hands there's a picture of the way, in, jack what? is on zoom right now and she's putting her hands close to the camera and i'm legitimately frightened because they are i have my mine hands are, like are oh my god yeah <laughs> mine are like soft, long sausages mine are more like they're like scary slender man hands yes, and and like they they bend weird and stuff so yeah, I'd always, far too. I would always hands. put my, my hand, like, you know, I'd hold my hand to my face, but it was always a claw and it was always in like some very uncomfortable <laughs> position, kind of like how Alexis would do, but it would just be on my face. So if I understand. I was, if I took selfies, it'd just be like this <laughs> by accident. Your tube steak fingers just yeah, on just your face. A, a frame of steaks around my face. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Um, before we go, can you guys say anything about the case that you're working on or anything about anything in Atlanta to give mm. our listeners a little? I think what we're working on is um, I would love like to get like four hours of sleep tonight. <laughs> we haven't had any sleep. Yes, but it's a it is a fairly large case. It's a case we covered on the first degree. And um, oh, my God, I get my very, I get my producer very credit. much trial you by do. media. Yeah. Oh, it's like yes. the staircase. Yes, I know which case this it's is. Like staircase with a gun. Um, I would like. 
I would like to end this episode by saying I want all of our listeners to guess which case this is. Because if you've been a firstie since the beginning, we have covered it on the first degree. It is a little bit like the staircase. So make your guesses. And make sure you watch Talking Evil with me and Jack. So you have to stick around past the first episode. And honestly, the second episode me and Jack do, which is episode four, is even better. So you should just watch them all. Episode four is going to be so good. So good. All right. Well, I think we killed enough time. Bye, bitches. Beep, beep. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.